Oh, wow. Is it? Thank you. I love you, too. Is it great to be together as one family? Hasn't this been amazing? I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have this morning. Well, I wanted to share my heart and a little bit of the word with you today, and I'm going to start with a question. What is the good life to you? And what do people in our culture, in our society, what do they invest their time and energy in to try to create a good life? Call out a couple of ideas to me. What do you think in our culture people define as the good life and, and what do they spend their time and energy on trying to create that? Vacations. We love vacations, right? Friends and family. Friends and family. So important. Money. In our culture, that is one of the big ones, isn't it? Work. You got to work for it. Careers. So you guys are hitting a lot of the ones that I think would, many people would admit that's where we spend our time and energy. Well, recently I was watching a TED Talk, and the speaker started with that same kind of question about what's the good life, and how do we achieve that? How do we invest now to be our best selves in the future and to create the best lives for ourselves? This speaker was named Robert Waldinger, and he is the lead researcher on something called the Harvard University Study of Human Happiness. Now, this study is pretty unique. It included over 700 men, and they were studied for over 75 years. In fact, their children, over 2,000 children, are still part of the study. And these researchers originally recruited Half of the men from the sophomore class of Harvard University, and that class included somebody you may have heard of. His name was John F. Kennedy. The other half in the study were recruited from the slums of Boston. So there was really a wide diversity of background, of life experience. And they studied every aspect of these men's lives for 75 years. At the end of this time, they could take all the factors they'd looked at, just everything they could think of, health, where you live, what you do for a living, just everything, and they really found there was one consistent factor that helped people be healthier, happier, have a better life. Can you guess what it is? I bet you, I bet you can, because we instinctively know it, right? This is, in their words, the results that they found consistently Good relationships keep us happier and healthier. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier. Well, uh, that conclusion was such a strong, um, compelling conclusion for them that actually Robert Waldinger, the speaker I was listening to, I discovered later, wrote a book about it. It was just released in January of this year, and appropriately enough, it's called The Good Life. So if you want to read more about it, it might be kind of interesting. One thing that the uh, researchers were originally surprised by was not only were the men happier if they had strong relationships with family, friends, people in the community, they were also healthier. In fact, they discovered that they could better predict somebody's longevity, how long they would live, not by factors like what their cholesterol levels or their heart health was at age 50, but by the quality of their relationships. They also discovered that the converse is true. Isolation and loneliness rob us of health. 
They are literally deadly. And in fact, the Surgeon General of the United States has declared an epidemic of loneliness and has said this is a huge, major public health problem after the pandemic. As many as 28%, that's more than one in four people, admit to extreme loneliness. And we already know that this causes poor health outcomes. In fact, that number of people, one in four, is more than the number of people in the U.S. who have diabetes, more than the number who smoke. So no wonder the Surgeon General is looking at that. So the scientific evidence is all there. Relationships are a huge element of the good life, a huge part of our health and our happiness. Interestingly to me, it seems like science is just catching up with what God told us in the very beginning. After he'd created the heavens and the earth, created man, both male and female, God looked around and said it's good and even very good. But the first thing he found in creation that was not good, we can see in Genesis 2:18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Took the Harvard guys a little longer to find that out. <laughs> now, of course, we know you can be with people and still feel lonely, right? You can feel lonely in a crowd, in a classroom, in a workplace, in a, an unhealthy relationship or marriage or family. You can even feel alone sitting in a great church on a Sunday morning or watching online from your living room. The fact is, it's not good for us to be alone, and God designed us for relationship. So this summer, we've been doing this um, series called You Asked For It, and you've already, we've already taken a look at things like race and technology, and this morning, we're going to look at a question that many of you sent in and asked about, how can we build healthy relationships? All right, I am going to be really honest with you. When I first heard that was the topic for today, I was really overwhelmed because I thought, whoa, the word of God is filled with God's wisdom and truth about relationships, right? And the stories of the Bible, just like the stories we tell in our own lives, they always revolve around relationship in some way. And in the Bible, we see the good and the bad, the best and worst, right? We see examples we want to follow, and we see examples we want to avoid. And we just see a little of everything, parents and children, siblings, husbands and wives, Jews and Gentiles, Romans, Samaritans, just it's all about relationship. So where to even begin talking about what the Word of God says about healthy relationships? The answer is, we are going to begin with God himself. And we're going to look at the reason why relationships exist, the root or foundation of every healthy relationship, and then we're going to just spend some time talking about two practices, practical things we can do to start building healthy relationships in our own lives. Let's get started with the reason for relationship. The reason relationship exists is that God is in relationship within himself. Have you ever thought about this? If the world were to end today and all humanity to be wiped out, there would still be community and relationship in the universe. It would exist between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we cannot even begin 
to understand the mysteries of the Trinity. But we do know that this triune God, this God in three persons, blessed Trinity, as the old hymn says, if any of you are as old as I am, remember that hymn, we know that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit interact with each other, love each other, serve each other, confer with each other, glorify each other. In fact, the Trinity is the central relationship in the whole universe. It's the one that all other relationships spring from. All of our human relationships are really just echoes and shadows of that one relationship. And the Trinity is the healthiest, purest, most loving, most perfect relationship that ever existed or ever will exist. You know, Jesus talked a lot about the love between those three members of the Trinity. And just to give a couple of examples from the Gospel of John. In John 5.20, he said, For the Father loves the Son and shows all that he himself is doing. And a few verses farther on, he says, I can do nothing on my own. I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He and his Father are one. In John 14, Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to send the Holy Spirit after he leaves them. And the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus and remind the disciples of everything he taught them. That takes a pretty close relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit and between the Holy Spirit and Jesus' followers, right? And we are the beneficiaries of living after the time when Jesus rose and went to heaven so that the Holy Spirit, if we have trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and received his gift of eternal life, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. You can't get much closer than that. And finally, in John 17, as Jesus was praying and agonizing just before he was to be arrested and crucified, he earnestly asked his father, to give his followers that same love and oneness that he and the Father share, that they would share that with each other. And that includes us, you guys. We're to have that kind of love and oneness as exists in the Trinity. The picture is beautiful, isn't it? It's just thinking about the Trinity and the way they interact and then wanting to be a part of that. So that's the reason why healthy relationships are so important is because God is relational he made us in his image. He made us to be relational. And we're to bring glory to him in the way we relate to him and the way we relate, relate to other people. So how do we do that? What's at the root? What's the bedrock foundation for healthy relationship? Well, Jesus made that pretty easy for us because he answered that question. In Mark 12, 30 to 31, a scribe came up to him and said, hey, rabbi, what's the most important commandment of all the commandments. And Jesus boils it all down to this. You can say it with me if you know it. It's up on the screen. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So that's it, right? I can sit down now. We're to love God and love others well. That's the root of every healthy relationship. Love God well, love others well. Well, you may be thinking, 
You know, that's a lot easier said than done, and you would be exactly right. I agree with that. This calling to love God and love others well is something that we have to work at and practice for our whole lives with the empowerment of that Holy Spirit within us. It takes a lifetime to learn to do this well, and there's lots of reasons for that. One is our own sin natures that we struggle with. Another is relationships are just messy, right? They take work, and sometimes we're lazy, and we don't want to put in work. Um, And they change over time. We change as people. Our relationships change. New challenges arise. So it's something we have to keep at our entire lives, to keep growing and loving God well and loving others well. So let's spend the rest of our time together talking about two actions we can put into practice starting today that will help build healthy relationships. They're not quick fixes. They're gonna take the rest of your life, but they're well worth investing your time and energy in. Those two actions are we can be with Jesus and we can love like Jesus. Let's talk about being with Jesus first. Now, if you only take home one thing I say this whole morning, this would be what I want you to take home, chew on, pray about, talk with others about, and put into action. Be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. Jesus called this abiding in him. And I love the word abide because for me, even though that's an English translation of the Greek word, it makes me think how our abode is our home. Jesus is inviting us to make our home with him. Isn't that an incredible invitation? So to spend time with Jesus, not doing things for him, but just being with him, kind of soaking up who he is and how much he loves us is hard. It takes time for us to slow down from the fast-paced lives we live and to be silent and cut out all the noise in our lives. Slowness, silence, and solitude are a part of that. God designed us to live unhurried, slow, quiet lives with him. And it takes time for us to really develop that habit. But unless you begin here, and start by being with Jesus, you're probably gonna struggle to become the person who loves as Jesus does. It all begins with being with Jesus. Now, we can mistake a lot of things that we do for and with Jesus, like good things, like coming here to church, going to small group, um, reading scripture. We can mistake those for time spent with God, right? They're good things to do, but they're not the same as sitting and being with him. And I have been guilty of that. Uh, how many people use version plans, once in a while at least? Okay, have you ever done what I do sometimes? Just like skimmed it, speed read it, so you can check it off that you got your reading done for the day? That's not spending time with Jesus. Or I have also been guilty of just shooting arrow prayers up to him all day, but never really just sitting down and spending some time with him, really giving him my full attention. So my husband Mark and I have been married, I'm gonna one-up Marvin, 45 years. (laughs) And, um, And it's been a good 45 years, and it's getting better all the time. But imagine this, imagine if 
the gist of our relationship was we spent maybe five or 10 minutes in the morning talking about a few things, and then we just shot messages at each other here and there during the day, and that was it. Never spent time together, never shared our hearts, never slowed down to talk about our dreams and our regrets, our joys and our sorrows. How deep would our marriage relationship really be? Or I think about my grandchildren, and, and Marvin and Tanya will relate to this, right? Being new grandparents. My six grandchildren, who are all little, two, age two to eight, they live in two other states, not in Michigan, to my chagrin and Mark's chagrin. But imagine if I sent them cards and I sent them birthday gifts and I sent them Christmas gifts, but I never went to see them. I never sat down with them and played with them and watched them and learned their their little nuances, who they are. And they never looked me in the eye and saw the love I have for them. Would they really know me? Would I know them? Would they know how deeply I love them? There just is no replacement for being with. Being with is essential to every healthy relationship. And being with Jesus is the start of that. Now, there's lots of time, ways you can make time to be with Jesus. And you've got some couple suggestions in your handout today that you can take home. I'm not going to go through them. But really, there's many ways to do it. Pastor Marvin, I just learned this morning, does long, long walks, 188,000 steps in one week. <laughs> that is one way. Yeah, let's give him a hand for that. <laughs> That's one way you could spend quiet time talking with and being with the Lord. Um, really, there's many ways to do it, but I want to give you one easy way. Um, this little resource, it's also on your handout, is called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Day by Day. And it is at the heart of our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course that we do here. What I love about this is silence and solitude and slowness with God are built right into it. And he, uh, Schizero, Peter Schizero is the author, he gives you a couple of times a day for 40 days that you can just slow down, be silent, read a short passage of scripture, and spend time with Jesus. So you might want to grab one of those. They're in our resource center. When you get home today, take a look through your notes. Look at the suggestions, maybe grab one of these if you're interested on the way out but I really want you to consider how could you spend some slow, unhurried time with Jesus this week, at least a little more than you usually do. And then I want you to notice what happens when you do that. How does it impact the relationships you have with other people around you during the week? Give it a try and I'd love to hear what happens because we know the beginning of healthy relationship is being with Jesus. Well, the second action we can begin putting into practice today is to love like Jesus. And again, you know, it's easy to say these things, very hard to do them. First, let me establish what I mean by love. When I say love, I think a lot of us, we, whoop, I thought my voice went out for a minute. We think of warm, gushy, wonderful feelings, and it's true that God wired us to feel those feelings a lot of times with people that we love. But the biblical definition of love is a little bit different. The love that God himself experiences and he expresses to us 
could be defined as fighting for what's best for you no matter what it costs me. Fighting for what's best for you no matter what it costs me. And don't we see that in the way the Father and the Lord Jesus love us? Jesus demonstrates that kind of self-sacrificial love throughout the Gospels, and really it peaks when he gives his life for us on the cross. But let's take a look at one passage that I think is particularly kind of touching and had an impact on me that I'll tell you about just recently, and that is John chapter 13. If you want to turn to it in your pew Bibles, it's page 900, but you really don't have to. I'm going to tell you the story. So the setting's the Last Supper. And in verses 1 through 3, John tells us that Jesus knows his time has come. Um, He knows that he's about to be arrested and crucified. And it says in the text, having loved his own, that would be the disciples, that's us today, He loved them to the end. So they're sharing a Passover supper, which is a symbol that we just participated in of his coming sacrifice and shedding of blood. And in the human sense, Jesus is fully God and fully human. In his human sense, he's with the people he knows the best and loves the very most on earth. So if you know the passage, you know what happens next, right? He takes off his outer garment, he ties a towel around his waist, and he stoops to do the kind of disgusting job that only the lowliest servant in the household ever does. He washes the disciples' filthy, dirty feet from all their walking. And um, he serves them, even though he is the creator of the universe, the Alpha and Omega, the one who has led them and taught them, he serves them humbly and lavishly and joyfully even. And if we look down in verses 12 through 20, he says this, he says, you know guys, if you call me teacher and Lord, then I just did that for you, you need to do the same for others. And if we here today call him teacher and Lord, that means we need to do that for others too. E.T. let somebody who needed it use the shower in the back that I bet a lot of you didn't even know we had. (laughs) So um, we are called to that same kind of humble, lavish, willing service and love that Jesus demonstrated to his own disciples. In fact, when Jesus, uh, or when Judas leaves the table and goes off, he's about to, to sell out Jesus to the Jewish authorities for 30 pieces of silver. And when he gets up and leaves with Jesus saying, go and do what you have to do, Jesus turns to the rest of them, the other 11, and he says, I've got a new commandment for you, a commandment like the one we already went over. A new commandment I give to you, he says in verses 34 to 35, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And again, that's John 13, 34, and 35. That's the hallmark of being a disciple of Jesus. Of any of us who claim to follow him, we should know his love so well because we've received it by sitting at his feet that we can love as he does, selflessly, 
sacrificially, humbly, and joyfully. And again, this is easy to talk about and feel inspired by, really hard to do. You're gonna get challenged on this this week, I guarantee you, because we're talking about it today. We need to help each other work through these kinds of situations in life when we have painful opportunities to choose to love and to put the other person's best interests above our own and even to pay a cost to see those best interests fulfilled. And this is just one of many reasons why you hear us talk so much about getting into a disciple-making relationship. You need one or two or three other people that you're really close to, that you can pray for each other, encourage each other, and help sort out how to walk through some of the most raw and painful experiences in our lives and do it in a way that reflects we know we're loved by God and that we know how to love as he does. Well, just in the last few weeks, I had my own challenge on this. And I was really trying to love and serve somebody who I felt like wasn't responding back with love. In fact, sometimes I wondered, does this person even like me? And little comments and little slights kind of started to build up inside me. And I really started to struggle with feeling hurt and rejected and a little resentful that I'm trying to serve you and why aren't you responding better? And I'm not gonna lie, I struggled with it for a while. I would wake up early in the morning and pray, sometimes in tears. I'd go to bed at night and I'd lie awake and pray. I got into the word, I spent time with God, talked to my husband, asked a couple of women in my disciple-making relationships to pray for me without sharing details, but just saying I'm in a tough situation, would you pray? But I'll tell you what actually finally brought the breakthrough for me was this passage in John 13. I was reading it one night and it just like broke over me that no matter what I do, no matter how badly I behave, Jesus would have washed my feet if I'd been there that night. No matter how much I've rejected him, no matter how much pain I've caused him. And he was giving me the privilege, the privilege of saying, if my teacher and Lord does that, then I need to do that too. And I'll tell you, you guys, it just like flipped my perspective totally. I was so re-energized to go in and love and serve and do it warmly and lavishly and with joy. And this doesn't always happen, but honestly, as I started to do that with more love for the other person, there was a better response back to me as well. So just as the emotionally healthy spirituality class that I mentioned um, gives us a lot of tools and ways that we can learn to love God well, one of those root things we need to do. The other class we offer, Emotionally Healthy Relationships, gives us tools and practical suggestions for how we can love other people well. And because I figured maybe you, like me, struggle sometimes with those, I wanted to share just one tool that's quick and easy to do, and I want you to do it with me today so we can practice it. It just takes four little questions, it revolves around the idea of expectations because many times misunderstandings and tension in relationships really come around what we're expecting of the other person and what they're expecting of us. So we're gonna do an exercise called managing expectations, very short and easy, but I want you to do it with me and I want you to kind of ask God to help you weed through it as we go. 
take a moment right now to jot down a name or the initials of somebody that you just struggle with a bit relationally. Maybe there's some tension or some conflict. Um, just something isn't quite right. It could be a family member, it could be a coworker, a friend. It could really be anybody, um, but ask yourself, is there some expectation I have of this person that they're not fulfilling? And is that causing me some trouble? So let's go through the four questions together. You don't need to write them down. They're also in your insert if you want to be able to use it later. But I would like you to just dot, jot down a yes or a no for each question, or even just a Y and an N. So question number one, is my expectation conscious? So for me, I was not really conscious of the expectation I had that this other person ought to be giving me some thanks and responding warmly to me. It just, I hadn't thought that out, but that's what I was expecting and wanting, right? So question one, is my expectation conscious? Second question, is my expectation realistic? Is this person capable of what I'm expecting them to do? Are they willing to do it? Or am I just gonna be continually frustrated because they either can't or won't fulfill my expectation? And how do I love them, if that's the case? Third question, has my expectation been spoken? Have I verbalized it calmly, kindly? Have I asked for what it is that I want? You know, a lot of times, speaking an expectation leads to a fulfilled expectation, but we just haven't made it clear. And finally, this is the tough one, question four, has my expectation been agreed upon? Oh, that's the hard one, right? <laughs> so sometimes we're just thinking, I've got this unconscious, unrealistic, unspoken expectation, and the problem is not that the other person is behaving badly or failing to meet it, it's that um, that person never agreed to do that in the first place. And we can't control other people, right? We can't make them fulfill our expectation. Well, expectations that are conscious, realistic, spoken, and agreed upon are valid expectations. And I have really found that little tool of managing my expectations is so helpful. It was helpful to me in this situation I just described. It has been in other situations as well. And I just suggest to you, that is one tool you could use if you're having some relational difficulty with somebody Start with manage your expectations. It's almost like taking the log out of your own eye before you look for the speck in the other person's. So as you can probably guess right now, I really recommend our Emotionally Healthy Discipleship courses, both the one on spirituality, which will help you love God well, and the one on relationships, which will help you love other people well. They have really helped me a lot in the last few years, and I use a lot of the tools and practices that I have learned from them. So, to sum up, how can we build healthy relationships? Well, we've talked about the reason for relationship, that God himself is a relational being and he wants to glorify himself through our relationships. We've talked about the root of healthy relationship, that we need to love God well and love others well. And we've talked about two practices we can start today and do the rest of our lives that will only benefit us in building healthy relationships, and that is to be with Jesus and love like Jesus. 
So here's the bad news. This is the hard stuff in life. There's a lot of things working against us. There's an enemy of our soul who wants to drag us down. We live in a culture that's very fast-paced and me-focused, and we interact with a lot of people who live that out. And we've got our own sin nature and our own stuff to work through, right? So there's lots of things that are grabbing at our heels and dragging us backwards. But there's also good news. We were created to live this way. This is how God wired us, you guys. This is how he wants us to live. Being with him, having a close, loving relationship with him, loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving others as he loves others. If you remember one thing from this message, remember that it all starts by being with Jesus. Do something this week to slow down, quiet down, and spend some unhurried, quiet time with the Lord. If you have disciple-making friendships, you might even grab one of these and say, hey, do you guys want to go through this over the next 40 days? Or if you don't, you might want to grab a couple of friends and get a disciple-making group started. Being with Jesus, experiencing his presence, experiencing his unfailing love for us will automatically increase your ability to love as Jesus does. So I want to close by praying for all of us here in our Trinity family today. And I'm going to use Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 19 as the basis of my prayer. Would you bow your heads? For this reason, I bow my knees before you, Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of your glory, you may grant each of us to be strengthened with power through your spirit in our inner beings so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that each of us being rooted and grounded in your love may have strength to comprehend with all the other saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to really know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that each of us may be filled with the fullness of God. Amen. Elders and their wives and prayer team, if you want to come forward as we close, just feel free if you want prayer about a relationship or prayer about anything in your life to come forward and we'll be glad to pray with you. Have a great holiday this week and make sure it's a week filled with time with Jesus. Thanks. Woo! <laughs>